everyone. Thank you for joining us on Nevermind the Gap. We are in episode eight, which is super exciting. Uh, Lindsay Hanari and I are so excited to be joining all of you today on this next episode. And our topic today is very interesting because I'm pretty sure that a lot of listeners can definitely relate to this, um, you know, regardless of what industry you're in or not. But our topic is on meeting gap and really, you know, too many, too long and not productive meetings throughout the workday. And and we're going to talk about, you know, how to sort of streamline it a little bit and, and make things a little bit more productive and much better where you can actually come out with something tangible. So I'll go ahead and introduce Lindsay. Hi, everyone. Lindsay Hanari here. And boy, did Carmen and I really just start I wouldn't say going down the rabbit hole, um, but more, we had a ton to say on this because, I mean, who hasn't been on endless back-to-back -back Zoom calls or meetings, and then your actual day starts at five when the meetings stop um, and actually get the work done. And the genesis of the meeting gap as a topic was, you know, sometimes these are better off as emails or um, they're almost too democratic and everybody goes around the horn and everyone has different communication styles. Some people give tons of context um, and others get sidetracked. And you know, at the very end you're scrambling for what's the walk away. And what's interesting to us is so much of, this has remained from COVID. You have a significant portion of the workforce remote or hybrid still, and it's a way to connect with various team members or get asynchronous teams aligned. Yeah, I mean, so I actually really love what you said because I think that it, it is sort of a little bit of a result or outcome from what we've been through for the last three years, especially the asynchronous teams and how to get them all aligned. The meeting gap, to your point just now, is not just in person, right? So we're all back in person. And how can we continue to discuss the different initiatives or ideas or strategies that we have for the next week, month, several months? But also it's applicable a little bit too, to those individuals that are still connected remotely to the hybrid sort of world that you just discussed. You know, we have some individuals that go into the office Monday through Friday. You have some of those folks that do three days a week. Um, and then you also have individuals that are just fully remote still because, you know, their organizations have found that they're just as productive, if not more, working from a home office. So they're still sort of an extension of the team. And so it's been interesting to see this dynamic, to have different members sort of be spread out everywhere. And the best way for leaders in their mind is to sort of connect them and align them to the purpose, to you know the mission of the organization is to continue to touch base that those team meetings, um, what do you think about that? What have you observed in the last couple of years since the pandemic? Well, it's not going away. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're a manager, 
or a leader, you're in these meetings because it's at the intersection of communication. It tends to be the main way that we communicate. And what's interesting is they've a proliferated, they've gone down some, but not a lot. And as a manager or a leader, having some skills around how to have a productive shorter meeting, I think is what's on order. And what led me to this was um, a woman out of Australia, her name is Donna McGeorge, and she has a concept called a 25 minute meeting. Now, full disclosure, I have not read her work, but it fits so nicely into some of the tools that Carmen and I um, are going to mention. So what is the 25 minute meeting that, what is this concept that Donna George, Donna McGeorge, excuse me, uh, cause I have not heard of this before. So I'm very intrigued to see what, what this concept is. Can you help explain it to our listeners? Sure. So, you know, I'll give some examples, um, expecting people to come prepared. So what's the minimum expected preparation in order to be participate in the meeting? In other words, you've got to buy in to participate. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and same thing, it can't be endless tomes of information. It has to be geared towards what the person needs to know, not necessarily what you want them to know. Um, and this is especially true of people who like to give a lot of context or say subject matter experts, engineers mm -hmm. looking right at you. They don't need the nitty gritty details. They need more of the headline and the byline. And then the discussion is where the detail comes in. Right. The other thing is to have rules. For example, um, on Donna's uh, website, you know, she has an example of a leader who had a stand up every week and Everyone needs to be there by 10, but not everyone was showing up on time. Uh, so this leader let the team know doors are locked at 10 a.m. And only four people out of the 10 were in the room at 10 a.m. Mm -hmm. Decisions were made. Latecomers were locked out and did not have a say in those decisions. Guess what? The next meeting, 100% of the attendees were there on time and prepared. So having consequences. Um, and I so, think, yeah, I, I actually, so I, I actually think that's a good way is establishing rules and meetings. I don't think that that is something we commonly see. And I, I guess I can definitely speak from being involved in the healthcare industry and academic medical centers. There really aren't roles and boundaries established in meeting. Everyone kind of shows up and they're sort of <laughs> feeling their subject matter expertise and ditching out all the details when, again, there's only 60 minutes. So at the end of the day, everyone sort of has vented, sort of it's like a venting um, scene <laughs> where everyone I shows it, up. At <laughs> I call it vent and preen. Right? Yes, it is. It, right. My ego and knowledge or let me put in the FaceTime. Mm -hmm. But is it additive? And so... When I work with clients, especially if 
I'm their service provider. Mm -hmm. I start every meeting request with a purpose. And that purpose should be a verb and it should be short. So what do I mean by a verb? To align on a decision, to inform others on a status of a new project, to resolve an outstanding issue, to debate the merits of a system, to question whether or not this is the correct path, to review accomplishments and next steps. So notice a verb and very short. Mm -hmm. And then tied to that purpose is the goal. What is the walk away from this meeting that you want? So, and it is a result or an action. And then the agenda and the rules provide the structure for the conversation so it doesn't go off topic. Um, and it really is a skill for a leader or a manager or you know, a peer who feels confident to state, hey, I've noticed that we started talking about widgets and now we're talking about Sally and accounting. In the 10 minutes we have left, where does it make sense to spend our time if we want to reach our meeting goal? And you know what? Sally and accounting might be the key factor to be addressed as either the solution or more likely in a separate 25 minute meeting. Mm -hmm. I really do love that. I, I, I love it a lot. And it, it brings up one of the tools that I'm very familiar with, which is the funneling technique. It's it's actually a tool that I found on the Institute of Coaching's website since I'm a um, fellow member and DEI council member for them. And the funneling technique is really interesting because it's very aligned to what you just said. So starting the meeting perhaps with an open question, trying to align everyone and inform them of why they're there, um, repeating and encouraging what you're hearing at the meeting, and then paraphrasing and using guiding questions, which is sort of the debate questionnaire part that you refer to from, uh, from the steps that you were just indicating. And then at the end, the summarization and confirming questions. So that review part, what did we learn from this? And what do we need to do? You know, what are the next steps? What are some resources that we need to identify, whether it's some key players we need to bring into the conversation or if it's, you know, machines or tools or, you know, technological um, equipment. So gathering that specific information then allows individuals to actually pivot into this evidence-based action. Um, this funneling technique was actually founded by the Stern Consulting Group in 1979 by Lewis Stern. So wonderful because it's still applicable today in terms of that skill that you just talked about, the leadership skill that everyone or every leader really should have in terms of leading the meeting where you know, you're stating the purpose, um, you're kind of aligning everyone, you know, encouraging what you're hearing, paraphrasing, pivoting into those guiding questions. And at the end, after you've had several debates around what the next steps are, you can come away with it with, you know, that review or that summarization that then will guide you into that evidence-based action. What's the next step before we need meet um, in our next meeting? And I think that a lot of folks really walk away lost <laughs> 
they don't, um, you know, they leave meetings and they sort of feel like, well, we're exactly where we just started. And we kind of have an idea of what the next steps are and what we're supposed to be doing. But I, I guess I still have time. You know, they feel like they have time until the next meeting to sort of ruminate and discuss the same things again. And so I think in this particular case, you have that evidence-based action from the first meeting. And so you do know what the next steps are before you show up to the next meeting in this subject. Um, I wanted to highlight this article from the Harvard Business Review. It's actually called Dear Manager, You're Holding Too Many Meetings by Benjamin Laker and three other individuals that uh, published with him. But it shows, you know, the summarization of this article is wonderful because it shows that in recent research, at least, that 70% of meetings keep employees from doing productive work while oh, there was yeah. a, I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> while there was a 20% decrease in average length of meetings during the pandemic, the number of meetings attended by work on average rose by almost 14%. Like, how do you quantify that data, right? So- during the pandemic, you know, 20% decrease in the average length of meeting, but the number of meetings attended by each individual actually went up 14%, right? So they found that newly promoted managers were holding almost a third more meetings than their seasoned counterparts. So to them, they felt like this was the answer. Let's just keep meeting away. <laughs> meeting overload, um, because this is the way to keep everyone perhaps aligned and engaged. And while I I find value to that, to have that one-on-one -on -one with your, your coworkers and your direct reports and your colleagues, I still think, like we just talked about, um, with Donna McGeorge and the funnel technique, there has to be a skill behind orchestrating these meetings and what you want to get at the end of it. But just to share a little bit more of the statistics, they surveyed 75 or excuse me, 76 companies on how would you feel if you reduce your meetings over the course of 14 months? What was that impact? And what was really amazing is that uh, reduction in meetings in 20% actually increased autonomy, communication, um, you know, cooperation went up, engagement went up, micromanaging actually decrease significantly um productivity went up satisfaction went up and then stress was also reduced so all of these elements that we think about that are very useful when we talk about success in the workplace you know these 76 companies actually saw uh, the impact of having fewer meetings in in their organization yeah and i'm, I'm just thinking back you know, the fields that we come from, and true, these are more traditional Gen X fields where FaceTime is expected, and we were expected to be in the office. So banking, finance, energy, healthcare, mm -hmm. academic. I think there was this fear that if I wasn't visible, I would be interpreted or seen as not engaged. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's a control thing. You know, we we can't control the 
we can't control meeting in the commons, so to speak, you know, in the hallway, in the cafeteria. So let's try and create these as much as possible and have right. that level of interaction. But as you said, it, you know, think about a meeting. There's chit chat, there's connection. You get around to it, someone's late. There's a recap, there's some questions. You go on a tangent, you go on another tangent. <laughs> right. And then you're like, snap, you know, we've got five minutes. What is it we're supposed to do? And sometimes it's let's have another meeting. Right. So like, like anything, being purposeful and having a structure and a timeline. And maybe mm -hmm. if you're not the person you want to be in the meeting more than above the meeting, you know, sort of orchestrating it, mm -hmm. perhaps asking someone else to be the timekeeper. Right. I actually do completely agree with that. Not everyone, not everyone has that sort of, you know, the attributes to, to be in a meeting and that's not their strong skills is, is my point. You know, they could be strong players on the back end of things and they don't necessarily have to be at the table. You know, they can be the ones that are orchestrating the resources and bringing those into place, you know, collecting all of the chips that are needed uh, for that specific initiative. So I do agree with you. I definitely agree, you know, agree with, with what you were just saying. And I, you know, I, I wanted to also, um come up with two other particular suggestions maybe that our listeners can take away is to be very selective too to think about meetings that you've conducted or participated recently and think and ask yourself you know which ones were the most useful which ones were you know absolutely necessary where you needed to have that meeting um and so just reviewing again, when you met at the last time in reference to that specific topic, was there anything back to your um, different step process that you shared with Donna McGeorge, you know, were you able to align everyone to inform them to, you know, have debate and discussion and then to sort of walk away with that evidence-based action? Did that happen? Um, and if it didn't, then, you know, then ask yourself, should we really meet again in person or is this something that maybe you could pivot to let's say slack or team meetings mm -hmm. um like a different type of engagement platform where you're just kind of doing follow-up um, right side conversations not correct me. correct and then for those that do perfectly hit all the points to donna mcgeorge and the in the funnel line technique that i brought up um, this is the obvious next step anyways, is if you were able to walk away with that evidence-based action, you know, then you could uh, pivot it into, again, like a Slack conversation or a Teams meeting conversation. Um, so using digital tools is my point to align everyone um, so that you can have more of a brainstorming session on the side. And then perhaps after you do that and you've collected more data from everyone, then um, at that point, you can say, okay, it's time for us to meet. Yeah. And to wrap this up, because we want to be concise as well with our purpose um, and goal of this, you know, in the end, 
At the very least, you can ask two very simple questions in a meeting. The first is, what are you currently struggling with? And they'll let you know. And the second is, what help or resources do you need from me or from others in this meeting? Easy call to action. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think that's a wonderful summary. And I, and I, and I love the last part, you know, what, what can I do to facilitate the next steps or who do I need or what additional resources do I need to carry out this evidence-based action? And, and again, to look at other tools too, you know, again, there's other, I think, fantastic digital tools out there, Mural, Google Forms, Slack, that could sort of help you, right, as, as a side tool for you to continue to collect data, have those conversations and not necessarily have a formal meeting until it's time for you to meet, bringing all of that data that you collected to the table. So um, just a wonderful summary. So thank you so much. And we are very grateful that everyone has joined us for our eighth podcast episode of Nevermind the Gap, The Meeting Gap. Um, I know, you know, when Lindy and I talked about this, we thought this was a wonderful topic to discuss because everyone sort of has always been struggling with this. And, you know, we just wanted to be able to provide some goals behind this topic. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. And we look forward to you listening to our podcast again on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, whichever, you know, podcasting platform of your choice. We're there. Subscribe, follow us, and you can hear us, you know, on your way to work in the morning, when you're at the gym. Um, and one more thing we'd love to hear from you. So Lindsay and I always plug in our contact information at the bottom of every podcast episode. So if you have any questions, you want to continue offline chat with us please feel free to email us and connect with us. So thank you, everyone. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for joining me today. Be well. <laughs>